0: The CNBC app. Global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. You are looking at live pictures of Gaza City as Israel declares war on Hamas. Hundreds of people are killed as the Palestinian militant group launches a surprise attack in the deadliest day of violence in Israel in 50 years.
1: The IDF will immediately use all its strength to destroy the capabilities of Hamas. We will defeat them to death and take revenge for this black day they have inflicted on the state of Israel and its citizens.
0: Oil prices knee-jerk reaction jumping on supply fears. But in an exclusive interview, the Saudi Arabian energy minister tells CNBC that OPEC's ability to stabilize prices should not be underestimated.
2: I honestly believe that the best thing I could say is that the cohesion of OPEC plus should not be challenged. Uh, We've been through the worst. Uh, I don't think we wouldn't have to go through any uh, terrible
3: situation at all." In economic news, U.S. job growth smashes expectations, nearly doubling the forecast in September, pushing bond yields to a new 16-year peak and fueling fears over a higher for longer interest rate environment. Metro Bank strikes a deal announcing a new £325 million capital raise and almost double that in debt financing as the embattled British lender shores up its balance sheet and avoids a takeover.
4: And global policymakers and central bankers descend on Morocco for the IMF World Bank meeting. Uh, we are going to be bringing you a raft of interviews over the week, including IMF chief economist Pierre-Olivier Shah and ECB member Robert Holzman live from Marrakech.
0: A warm welcome to Scorebox, Palestinian militant group Hamas has launched an unprecedented attack on Israel. Forces attacked from uh, Gaza by land, air and sea, in the biggest escalation of violence for decades. Israel has formally declared war and launched a series of retaliatory air strikes. Now according to the Israeli Defense Forces, at least 700 people have been killed in the country with thousands more injured and dozens taken hostage. The Palestinian health ministry for its part has reported at least 424 deaths in Gaza and the West Bank. Now, speaking on Saturday, the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu vowed a fierce response.
1: What happened today was never seen in Israel, and I won't let it happen again. The entire government is behind this decision. The IDF will immediately use all its strength to destroy the capabilities of Hamas. We will defeat them to death and take revenge for this black day they have inflicted on the state of Israel and its citizens.
3: We are seeing reaction in certain quarters of the market to the geopolitics. And let's take a look at the oil price. Keep in mind, as we wrapped up last week, we'd seen a fairly large decline in the price of oil. We were travelling down, for instance, uh, 8.8% on the WTI price for the trading week. And we were already down on Brent by 11%. So as we regroup and we begin a brand new trading week with the geopolitics around Hamas and Israel, you can see we've had a spike across the board, 3.7% up or $3 on WTI, 85 percent plus the handle. On Brent, we're 875 almost, also spiking about 3.4%. So a move we are seeing across the oil market to this point for concerns that there could be some impact across the board when it comes to supply. Let's take a look at the currency reaction and some of the safe haven trades typically we look at in a geopolitical moment. These are the trades of so the dollar index up a third of a percent. Dollar gaining versus the Swissies, so dollar still has it versus uh, some of these safe havens. Dollar weaker versus the Japanese yen. And don't forget last week we were talking about to some of the lows we're seeing in that Japanese yen but typically in moments like this you can see some movement back towards some of the safe havens and yen benefiting in the session today gold also in focus and we've seen a move in gold prices that we've rallied as you can see up about one plus percent on the price 1850 at this stage I want to take you to the Israeli stock market and also the currency trade. Let's just see uh, the reaction on the uh, TAS 35. You can see uh, this is how the trade has been. We've seen a reaction where there has been a decline in the price action on the market and uh, obviously investors just taking stock of some of those exposures at this point concerned about the the ripple implications of the geopolitics across the board the market uh, has been down about seven percent its biggest loss in more than three years when it comes to the shekel the uh, currency trade you can see that there's reaction here in the trade I should say that's where you've seen the reaction down uh, on this index uh, at this stage and you're seeing a reversal to an eight-year low versus the US dollar in trade the dollar is gaining about 1.8 percent versus the local currency to US futures early on and uh, this is what we're looking at don't forget, as we wrapped up the trading week there was a lot playing out stateside that jobs report uh, it was hotter than many had anticipated the market was expecting that there might be some cooling in that jobs report But in fact, 336,000 jobs added to the workforce. We're gearing up for CPI this week and the market closely looking at the Fed. But of course, geopolitics around the oil story. If we are talking about higher oil, what is the impact for inflation? So there's a lot to build into that U.S. picture stateside. Well, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken told NBC's Meet the Press the attacks could be motivated by an effort to derail diplomatic progress.
1: It's entirely possible that one of the motivations for this attack was to try to derail Uh, these efforts to advance normalization something that is very hard there are a lot of really challenging issues to to work through we're in the process of trying to do that but the result would be uh, if we were able to get there uh, a much different path for the region and uh, for the future a path of uh, greater stability of greater integration of people working together to, to better their lives that's in stark contrast to the path that's offered by hamas a path of violence killing horror terror A path that offers absolutely nothing to the Palestinian people. In fact, what it offers is more suffering, uh, not less. So it's a pretty stark choice. And the fact that Hamas, uh, Hezbollah, Iran are lined up against that vision, I think speaks volumes. At the same time, as we're pursuing uh, normalization, uh, it's imperative that it not be a substitute for Israelis and Palestinians resolving the differences between them, on the contrary, uh, it needs to be something that actually advances that prospect uh, and supports it.
0: Um, let's get another voice on this now. Uh, William Vexler is the Senior Director of the Rafiq Hariri Center and Middle East Programs at the Atlantic Council. Uh, William, I do want to ask you with my colleague about the broader ramifications, but I actually first of all want to get your take on what the feeling is in the region as well. My understanding from your commentary is that you took the red eye from Washington to Tel Aviv on Friday night as well. Um, Huge concerns about regional stability. Just us, how does the region feel at the moment, given your experience in Tel Aviv and in Abu Dhabi?
4: The region is very uncertain at the moment, of course. Um, The fundamental question is whether or not the war that's coming will be Constrained to a war between Israel and Hamas, or whether it will grow to a multi front regional war as um, Hamas desires.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm grateful for your commentary as well because you're talking about expansion to potentially uh, bringing in. Uh, the Iranian-backed Hezbollah, of course, operating with great strength in southern Lebanon. Uh, other players as well, how will Israel react? Will they see direct correlation between the actions of Hamas uh, and, indeed, their backer, potentially Iran as well? What happens to Saudi relations and the thawing of those relations between the country you're in, plus Saudi, plus Israel, and, of course, how the U.S. reacts as well? These are some of the ingredients, but just break it down for us, sir. Sure. Um
4: From a purely military perspective, Hamas lost this war the second it decided to start it. Um, Israel is far uh, superior in terms of military strength. The only way that Hamas can achieve its objectives is to expand the war, to expand the war by provoking a second front within the uh, West Bank, um, by inspiring um, uh, people inside Israel, particularly Arab Israelis, to rise up as uh, as they did riot um, the last time there was uh, an episode with Gaza. And most importantly, to bring in the other Uh, 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 entity in the north, Hezbollah, that is supported by Iran, um, and to make it a a, a truly multi-front war. Um, Israel would be challenged if that happens. Um, In the end, of course, Israel would be victorious, um, but it is something that um, all of the people who are planning for the war right now in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv are very concerned
3: about. William, I just want to get into that a little bit more because what has been notable over the weekend is just how sophisticated these attacks have been from Hamas. What do we think about the Israeli Defense Force and sort of early recriminations we're already hearing about? How did this even happen?
4: I'm very reluctant usually to say that something was an intelligence failure, but this was one. Um, I think the Israeli uh, Defense Forces, the Israeli intelligence services all understand um, the fact that uh, Hamas exhibited a degree of operational sophistication and tactical surprise that they previously um, did not think it was capable of. Um, and over time, there will be after-action reviews to figure out exactly why Israel was surprised in this way. But right now, um, the the people that are planning for the war, that are in fact even starting the war with some of the some of the strikes that were underway, are focused on what comes next, not what happened before.
3: Can you get into the politics if there is a, a link here as we talk about? The uh, conflict spilling across borders, Hezbollah, any involvement over the weekend, what that means uh, for Middle East politics and how the world thinks about security in the region?
4: Well, I think that um, those who follow the region who may have thought just a week ago that it was quiet um, have have learned once again the lesson that the middle east is a uh is is a very unsecure region that we are used to surprises over time and that at the end of the day um security is like oxygen when it's prevalent around you it's um you don't think of it at all but the second it starts to go away it's the only thing that you think about
0: Uh, William, just explain to me the very complicated role that Saudi Arabia will have now going forward. Of course, I talked uh, in one of my questions to you about the thawing of relations between the country you're in, the UAE, uh, and the Saudi Arabians, uh, with uh, the U.S. obviously working on this for the the Abraham Accords in the previous administration, uh, and now perhaps in a different way with the Biden administration and those relations with Israel. How complicated are the thawing of those relations, given the fact that, again, historically there's no love lost between the Iranians uh, and indeed the Saudis, but the Saudis, uh, as the guardians of the two most holy sites uh, in Islam as well, will perhaps feel the need to uh, support Palestinians rather than support the Israelis. It's a very complicated three- or four-way picture, isn't it?
4: It's a it's a very complicated picture. Um, uh, The leadership in Saudi Arabia is has made a decision to explore normalization with um, Israel. That's a strategic decision that um, isn't influenced by the news of the day. Now that said, the news of the day will add additional complications to it. The average um, uh, Saudi, just like the average. Uh, uh, Arab across the region will have some natural sympathies um, to, if not to Hamas, uh, because there's really no love loss for Hamas um, uh, from most people, but for the Palestinian people who will undoubtedly suffer, um, uh, given the decisions of their leadership in Gaza. the, the leadership in Riyadh is, um, uh, is going to make very, very close attention to what happens to uh, to not only that the war is, um, is, is begun, but how the war is conducted, how long the war uh, takes, and what the outcome of the war is. One of the key questions that the United States failed to answer for itself before it started its war in 2003 in Iraq is, how does this end? Um, right now, from my conversations with uh, with people in Jerusalem, they're starting to ask that question right now. What does this look like after the war takes place? And in fact, that's the most important question.
3: William, we do appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much for joining us. On the back of what are live developing events today, William Vexler with us, Senior Director, Rafik Hariri Center and Middle East Programs at the Atlantic Council. And just on a quick programming note, we will be joined by the head of the Palestinian Mission to the UK, that is Hussam Zomlot, later on in the show. That interview is coming up at 9.15 CET.
0: I think it's very important of us as a channel that looks at the economy, at business and at markets to just temper the view that actually everything is going to react very aggressively on the back of it. There are some asset classes that will, There will inevitably be a mild flight to some form of safety in some assets. But in other assets, you are going to see an outsized reaction. And I will draw your attention to WTI and Brent. There is a natural uh, knee-jerk uptick in the price of the oil commodities today, and that isn't because they think events as they stand will affect the oil price it is because of the concern about an exacerbation of the tensions regionally Um, so a conflict which was isolated between hamas uh, and the state of israel Um, will not have an effect on the oil price over the medium term. But a conflict that has wider issues as well and potentially brings in other players will undoubtedly have an effect as well. So it's very important to make that ramification that the oil price is moving upwards today, not because there is a direct effect on oil supplies. It's the concern about future relations between the key oil players. And, And namely, I would draw your attention to Iran in this case. With that as a backdrop, Saudi Energy Minister, His Royal Highness Prince Abdulaziz bin Salman has told CNBC the situation in the oil market should not deteriorate despite the worst escalation in violence between Israel and Hamas in decades. Adding that the unity of OPEC plus should not be challenged. Dan, I've laid out the foundation a little bit as well, but you've been speaking to one of the key players in the oil markets. and It's fascinating to get his take at this moment in time.
5: Indeed, Steve. And I think, first of all, you have to also point out that just how blindsided the U.S. and Israel were to this attack. Of course, Israel is America's strongest ally in the Middle East. It does appear that its own intelligence agencies were completely caught on the wrong foot here after Saturday's attack. And how they did not see this coming will be a question that will have to be raised over the coming days and weeks ahead. At the same time, when it comes to the war premium that we're now seeing in the price of oil, the question is exactly what was Iran's involvement here? Uh, Did we see Iran perhaps working uh, with Hamas uh, as its proxy uh, to execute and to plan this attack against Israel. That is a question for the broader intelligence community as well, and of course, it plays directly to the question of exactly how Israel is now going to respond. We know at this hour that fighting continues on the ground there, but how widespread Israel's response will be uh, is clearly a key question. When it comes to the risk premium that we're seeing in the oil and energy markets right now, of course, the person to speak to is Prince Abdulaziz. We caught up with him in Riyadh late last night for his take first take the first Saudi take uh, on this situation and he said that OPEC stands ready to act if necessary if tensions continue to ratchet up in the region although he said that is not a base case or a necessity at this point after meeting with OPEC ministers on the ground here at the MENA climate conference listening to some of our exchange I think uh,
2: we have proven uh, in all serious times and, and related times uh, in, in all uh, times that whenever we are challenged as anopic, Plus, regardless of the situation you, you know we had COVID, we had all sorts of different variety of issues and we, we dealt with the ups and we, uh, we dealt with the downs I think what is uh, rewarding is that uh, we just finished you know the JMMC, uh, uh, and we are connected uh, so uh, I honestly believe that the best thing I could say is that the cohesion of OPEC Plus should not be challenged. Uh, We've been through the worst, Uh, I don't think we will have to go through any uh, terrible situation at all. In fact, uh, I hope that uh, within the next few weeks, that we will have uh, a better uh, trajectory which can give us... uh, a a leading um, trajectory, uh, unlike what we are going through now.
5: His Royal Highness Prince Abdulaziz there. And of course, we have seen OPEC ministers extending their output curbs until the end of the year. But oil prices have fallen in recent weeks. I asked him what's going on and what could happen next.
2: Unfortunately, you guys do believe the so-called forecasters and, and... and the scare-mongering, mongers here and there. Uh, you know me, Dan, it's been, uh, you know me for a while now. I'm a very subtle person, a calm person. I only attend to real numbers. I did say that uh, in Calgary. Uh, I was given all sorts of names, and I was uh, told, uh, well, somebody was saying, you know, he should look at forecasts or what kind of forecast one would look at if they keep changing it every month and with a yo-yo uh, anomaly to it? So I still maintain my composure of I will believe it when I see it uh, Yes, we may be delayed with a decision uh, on what to do, but uh, I would not forfeit the precautionary approach even if it goes beyond the a month or two or three or four months or five months.
5: Do you think you'll need to do more at the start of next year to maintain market stability, particularly in light of recent developments this week?
2: We hope we should not, but uh, there is, you know, again, it's a state, it, uh, it's a state of mind. Uh, that's why you will hear uh, in our announcement today with our, my friends in some of the upper class. Again, we we're just reiterating our commitment that. Don't you ever discard what OPEC Plus can do for the purpose of attending to this market.
5: Prince Abdulaziz again there. And guys, experts and analysts that we've spoken to today say this premium in oil is likely to stay intact so long as the conflict rages on. It's back over to you.
0: Dan, thank you very much indeed for your coverage uh, out of Riyadh. Right, coming up on the show, September's non-farm payrolls print, well, as you would have seen, comes in much stronger than expected, Prompting fears that rates will stay higher for longer, the strong jobs report, the Fed's potential response, and the knock-on effect around the world will be key topics of discussion at the IMF World Bank meeting this week. And we're gonna hear from Jumana and Sylvia Marrakesh this hour. Plus, later this morning, we'll check in on the commodity sector with the CEO of the Greek industrial and energy giant, Mytilenios. That interview is coming up at 9.30 Central European time.
3: look at US markets as you can see in the green there on the back of uh, what we witnessed Friday's session US economy adding a bumper 336,000 jobs in September sharply beating forecasts and ramping up the odds that rates will stay higher for longer the unemployment rate was 3.8 percent while average hourly earnings were up 0.2 percent on the month it's a big event today there of course around the geopolitics and big question is what is the link to the economy that we saw stateside Friday. The picture telling us still about this resilience in the labor market. There was a view that perhaps high for longer was the story and what that means for the Fed into year end on rates. But now with the geopolitics of potentially having ramifications for the oil story, which we know can have second round effects if there's a high yeah. for longer oil story then, of course, that can also then pressure the U.S. economy. Uh, but oil often attacks on the consumer as well, perhaps, again, crimping the amount of money that Americans have to spend on high streets as a result. So I think they're very complex events. here as we, we weigh up what was certainly a hot non-farm payrolls report. For yeah, day.
0: it absolutely was. And, and I think just drawing attention to the market reaction from it as well, I think that was all about positioning as well. I think the, the absolutely obvious reaction was the downtick thereafter, where I think the, uh, the U.S. markets lost the best part of 300 points. I think the Dow was down 277 points as you mentioned at the wall, uh, rallying around about 560, 570 points from that low as well. Uh, And and, and a highly um, uh, questionable reason why the market rallied so aggressively, given it was such a hot number. I think it was about positioning. I think it was all about positioning. I think a lot of people were um, were ready for that hotter print as well. I don't think it changes any of the dynamics from what you just mentioned as well, that actually you're, you're spot on. There are inflation ramifications um, from the higher oil price elsewhere. That potentially is going to have larger ramifications on the underlying destiny of the U.S. economy and as you say crimping uh, demand and and potentially supply.
3: To your point around positioning, we've just rolled off a month that's been very volatile. In fact, uh, probably two months that have been very volatile. And the market, I think, was saying, look, typically in this seasonal period of September, you can see uh, the impact around not actually having corporate earnings. That any events that come across the tape are usually somewhat negative in terms of markets and market reaction. But this week, don't forget, we get going on earnings season again. We've got 12 S&P 500 companies reporting this week. So JP Morgan, City, Wells Fargo, uh, Goldman Sachs is uh, seeing a 2% sales growth number, 55 basis points of margin contraction to 11.2 percent and eps relative to last year so again as we talk about moderating inflation you could have seen a modest support for some of the earnings that will start crossing but i think that's key as we roll across this week what the fed says what those corporate reports look like and that goes to the heart of what has been a very rough couple of months i think on markets whether we get a bit more stability coming back into the mix yeah
0: i think there are two things going on we're absolutely spot-on focus on, on inflation as well on wednesday uh, october the 11th um we have ppi x food and energy ex food energy and trade whatever we're looking for modest inclines in those ppi those wholesale prices as well but on thursday Uh, we have cpi data as well again be absolutely fascinating to check out the core figures on that which potentially uh, could have a free handle down to about 398 as well but the other point i want to draw attention to the markets is everyone's suddenly looking very much at the um, the the um the levels of treasury yields in response to data but i would look at the supply side as well because again there are real concerns about the amount of money that needs to be raised across the board from sovereign to IG, all the way down to junk as well. And I think we need to look at the supply side in this current environment as well.
3: Let's get out to our our guest this morning. Tim Abanovic joins us, head of research and investment strategy innovator ETFs. Tim, we've certainly had a lot to digest from the United States markets in that Friday session and over the weekend now the geopolitics as well as what's happening in Israel. So just give us a sense as to what you're focused on, whether there's any link between the events now with this concern around the oil price, whether it stays higher for longer versus the the hot data that we had from the economy side, from the jobs report that crossed on the Friday session.
6: Yeah, well, Karen, there's a lot going on clearly right now. And if you go take a step back and, and go back to Friday, The data that we saw there was extremely strong and let's not forget that's on the backs of data in August that was revised significantly higher. We now have about one and a half job openings per unemployed worker in the U.S. That is multiples above where we were pre-pandemic. We also looked at earlier in the week, you look at the quits rate, that is still elevated above where it typically is. So you put all of those together and those those give us a pretty good indication of what the labor market is going to look like over the, in the short to medium term. And that points to continued strength. Yeah, if, you, if you look historically, I think there's a very strong reason why we have never had a situation where core inflation has started off north of 5% and a recessionary hit to the labor market not been part of the solution to the problem. And I struggle to see why this time would, would be any different. Wages drive consumption. Consumption drives inflation. We need to see these numbers uh, be reined in a little bit.
3: And we can see an explanation in the numbers even Friday. I mean, the area of jobs growth was in the travel and leisure segment. We know there's been pent-up demand on the back of COVID still, and that is taking some time to fade. The other part here was in government workers, and there's been a huge amount of fiscal spending that has been thrown into the system too. What does the Fed do with those two specific areas where we are seeing that labor strength?
6: Well, the, the big question is, are we going to have another hike or are we not? And I think there's a pretty good case to be made right now that rates are at least at a restrictive level. Are they restrictive enough? I, I think so. Um, you know, but but really, you know, you bring up the fiscal spending piece. That's a, it's a really important component. You have the Fed out here on one hand that's trying to tame growth uh, to tame inflation. And on the other hand, you have fiscal policy that's really working in, in opposition. You have Washington that's out there running a a $1.9 to $2 trillion deficit this year. That is stimulative and that is really working against what the Fed is trying to do. So the the risk there is that we do potentially have to see rates that are higher for longer. We do have additional hikes that need to come into play to slow growth even further. And by the way, for the treasury, that's not a good thing because the higher rates are, the more of the interest burden that we're seeing uh, that, that needs to finance spending. Um, so that is certainly a risk to the view. But we, we do think that the Fed should and, and will pause to really respect the lags that monetary policy operates with.
0: Tim, it never feels right to talk about markets and business when there is a, a, an untold human devastation going on in uh, Israel and in uh, Gaza at the moment as well. But our viewers need to know what the market reactions look like or whether they'll be outsized or not. As far as I can see, uh, I can see potential reactions in the energy markets elsewhere, very limited reaction, I think, at the moment, if this is a conflict which is contained between Hamas uh, and the state of Israel. I think the real ramifications come, excuse me, <clears throat> if we get a, a widening of the conflict. But uh, more importantly, what do you think, sir?
6: Yeah, it's, it's absolutely horrific what, what took place there. And, uh, you know, really, you, you look at Israel, you look at Palestine. Neither are really big players in the the oil market, the energy markets. But this conflict does, to your point, have a a chance and a pretty strong chance of widening out. And if that happens, that could certainly have a a broad impact on energy prices in the the short to medium term here. You look at who's behind this, Iran, uh, Saudi Arabia, U.S., all potential involvement here, uh, which could have a big impact and send oil prices higher. Uh, at the very least, uh, you, you look at energy stocks. Those are a potential hedge against some of these geopolitical risks, but very sad situation. Certainly has, has can have an impact on the energy markets and, and cause volatility in the broad markets as well.
0: Really good to get your views today, sir, on the whole variety of uh, breaking stories. Thank you, sir. Tim Obanovic, who is the head of research and investment strategy at Innovator ETFs.